Welcome everybody to Dead Talk Live, and tonight we are being joined by writer-director David Willing. David's movie is called Surrogate and is now streaming on Amazon Prime Video and Google Play, which includes YouTube. David, thank you so much for being our guest tonight. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you very much for having me on. And I got to tell you, David, before we get started, I got to give you a big congratulations. The movie is really well done. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, The acting, the story was phenomenal, and we're going to break it down. So a big congratulations to you on a great job. Now, Surrogate Surrogate is your first feature film. Full feature film, sorry. Now, coming from a bunch of shorts, was doing your first feature everything that you'd hoped it would be? Um, That's interesting. It's, um, yeah, I think the thing with feature film is you're aspiring to do that, but it's very hard to get one of those, uh, you know, to get a feature film up and made. So it was, um, you know, it was exciting, but also it's a very long stretch you know we're working on the film for six years and really when it becomes the most enjoyable is when we're watching it in the cinema with uh with audiences you know yeah. the horror audience is really dedicated uh, and hardcore. uh the good thing is what when you watch a horror film in an audience you really see if it's working or not um so that was probably the the most um exciting bit of it but up to that point you realize it's just it's a lot of it's a lot of work Absolutely. Now, the story, like I said, is very nicely told. It keeps the viewer engaged throughout the whole film. Your co-writer is Beth King. Uh, How long did it take you guys to write the script, and were there a lot of rewrites involved? Um, Yes, there were a lot of rewrites. Um, We spent initially about two years writing the first four drafts of the screenplay, so Surrogate came out of a brainstorming session when we were looking at different horror and crime ideas. and But it wasn't full-time for two years. So yeah. we would meet, do some brainstorming, um, come up with aspects of the story. Then Beth was writing for television, so she'd get television gigs. She'd disappear for a couple of months, and then I'd get a directing gig. Uh, but it really took about two years to get to the fourth draft of the screenplay, and that was when the majority of the story was in place. And then over the next 18 months before shooting, we're reworking and tweaking aspects. Uh, But the major rewrites really happened between draft sort of one, two, three, and four. Um, And we played around with different endings on the screenplay. And we're going to talk about the ending in a little bit. We're not going to give away any spoilers, but a lot of films are inspired by shorts. Was this ever a short story of yours that you decided to make into a full feature film or it never took that route? No, it didn't take that route. We were, we were at, initially we were like, maybe we should do a short horror film, but we went, oh, let's just go straight, straight to a feature idea. And some of the other ideas would at the same time would have worked better as short films. Um, but this year we went straight into to a feature because we've both done shorts and we both had feature films in development that, that never got made or haven't been made to this point. So it was really about, let's write a feature film that we can make happen. Nice. Now, the concept of the film, what was your inspiration for you and Beth? What uh, It's a paranormal film. 
But mm. as with any, I mean, paranormal films are very widely done for yeah. at least a decade now. I mean, I think if you go back, paranormal activity is what really jazzed up the that subgenre again. How do you take a, a genre that's been done so much and give it your own unique twist and spin? Yeah, I mean, that is the really tough part for filmmaking. I mean, it's almost that every story has been told at this point. Uh, it's been a very long time since we've had a new genre, you know, subgenres pop up and paranormal really has uh, taken off again. It's a bit like zombie films 15 years ago. Exactly. Um, you know, suddenly everyone's doing zombie. And I mean, the answer to that is, you know, there's expectations within the story. So, you know, um, the trajectory of the genre or the subgenre, and then it's just finding how can you put some original twists mm -hmm. on that idea um and really that is part of understanding i said what the audience is is looking for in the genre uh, and mixing it up a little bit and and it is a tough balance of how you you do that i was i was talking with a writer the other day that i'm mentoring and it's like you know when you've got an action film you're going to have a car chase or you're going to have a foot chase or you're going to have a fist fight yeah. Um, and it's the same with paranormal. There's certain things that are going to pop up. It's impossible not to have those comments in there. Um, but we were just like, how can we could put, put a couple of original spins on some aspects of that? What I definitely notice is the film does not have any of those cheap jump scares. It is still very scary, thrilling throughout the whole ride. Was that just a trope you wanted to avoid, you know, the cheap jump scare just for the scare part of it? Yeah, absolutely. We had a few parameters at the start of, of writing the film. And one of them, as I said to Beth, is it's going to be, you know, we need an 85 to 90 minute screenplay. So 85, 90 pages. And that was really just about the story running time and the budget. And the other thing, as we said, is we can't just use jump scares all the way through because yeah. um, we're just not fans of that in the horror genre. And it, it works well, you know, a well-placed jump scare works really well in a, in a horror film. I mean, every horror film has them. We just didn't want it to be that. What you're kind of referring to is very common of like, you just set up jump scares, set mm -hmm. up jump scares, shit, set up jump scares, not leading to anything. Um, so there's a couple in there, but they're very... Um, deliberately placed for uh, for a reason yeah now the the main character natalie is played by kesti morassi how would you describe uh by the way she did a brilliant job how would you describe the character of natalie um yeah natalie's it's it's an interesting one so the, the setup in the story is um so she's a single mother she's working as a nurse and the key part to her character is that um, that she's a skeptic and she's very practical and very grounded. And the arc of her character and the evolution of the story is about that skepticism being chipped away. And you know, ultimately, it's about how does she protect and save her daughter uh -huh. um, through that struggle. And it's where her character, the realizations, the realizations her character has to have on how she can save a daughter. And we're going to get back to Natalie in a bit, but I got to point out Jane Badler. I'm, I mean, I've been a fan, a fan of Jane going way back to the eighties of the show V. I don't know if you've ever watched that where she played the evil alien Diana, but I mean, I'm just a huge fan of her. How did Jane come to your attention? 
Yeah, I, I actually hadn't seen um, V, but I, I knew its reputation for a kind of, you know eating animal scenes. I think that's a, the most famous. Yeah, they eat the, ma- the mice and the and... rats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have gone back and watched them subsequently, and you know they're great moments. Um, you know they're all you know iconic TV moments of sci-fi, and she she came on board the project with. Uh, Comfer Gabo was the executive producer on the film, who's uh, an Indonesian businessman based in Melbourne, and he's on the the Victorian College of the Arts, which is one of our art schools in Melbourne. He's on the director's board, and so is Jane because uh-huh. she's now been uh, based in Melbourne for a couple of decades. And he um, he just said to her, "You know, I'm producing this film. Would you like to read the screenplay?" And you know, she said sure, and she read it, and she really liked it. And then I just met her for. Um, for a coffee in a, a cafe in Melbourne, and we talked about the you know the story and what I saw with that character, and um, I thought she'd be a great fit, oh, fit yeah. for that role for a couple of reasons. She was amazing. It was great to see her again, and uh, I mean, brilliant choice in casting her. Now, her character Lauren, uh, you know, it's sort of like a subtle statement. She works as a child protective services you know fam, you know department of home and family services depending on where in the world or part of the u.s you live in but anyway uh was there sort of an undertone on how the government you know with cps tries to keep children protected but sometimes they do make mistakes they come to the wrong conclusions and ultimately end up causing more harm than good yeah there were i mean there was no deliberate um uh, kind of intent or statement behind behind that character really what that was about and you know when I was directing Jane I was saying from from her point of view what she's got information she's got and what she's basing things on is is a logical conclusion to um, to draw from that and when we're writing the screenplay we're very aware that you know horror works well when you have a grounded antagonist as well exactly, um, yeah. rather than just the monster and so we sort of saw her as a secondary antagonist character mm-hmm. from particularly natalie's point of view um and we knew the audience would see it as that but from jane's perspective i mean what she's kind of assuming is more logical than what's actually going on exactly now one uh the scenes that i love the most uh the sequence of scenes is when the little girl ava is conducting that seance in the house. Mm. Uh, the cinematography in that sequence was phenomenal. How you shot it with the mirrors and the girl reaching out to the spirit world. Walk us through how you wanted to shoot that sequence. Did it all go according to plan? And were you ultimately happy with how it turned out? Um, yeah, to the last question, very happy with how it it came um, out in the final product. I think it's a pretty special scene um, and it's had a great audience reaction. Watching that in cinemas, you can just see people yeah. just starting to, to fall down and hide in their seats. And it it was one of the scenes, we had a very tight shooting schedule, but it's one scene that we had a whole day to shoot. Nice. Uh, and, and as you'll know, there's a scene either side of that. They were done on, on separate days. So the actual seance, we had a whole whole day even though it's a seven minute scene so it's a lot to shoot in a day um and something that i saw i just saw very clearly once we'd come up with the idea and uh, had written it i saw very clearly how i wanted to direct it and it's an example where everyone else was just 
then adding to that what they were bringing. So Ben's cinematography, um, he came up with a couple of shots. I knew mostly how I wanted to shoot it, but he came up with a couple of really key shots, particularly, not wanting to spoil it, but the big kind of push-in moment is when Ava starts um, convulsing, we'll say. You know, that was his idea. And he also, uh, you know, came up with a few other shots and it just started to really complement what we're going for. And we're actually, there's a documentary coming out on the making of the film soon, which we're going to coincide with the Blu-ray release. Nice. In that we look at, at those moments on, there's a moment when we're on set, we're blocking it a couple of days beforehand. And when I hit onto this idea, of, which I hadn't envisaged before, with this forced perspective of constantly drawing the audience to look to areas um, rather than staying objective to the scene. I mean, it was the cinematography, and let's not forget the sound effects as well. The sound was very important uh, to that scene. And you know what, what, what I'm talking about and how that really just amped up the tension in, in, in the viewer putting themselves into that room. Now, by the end, Natalie realizes that she cannot run away from this entity uh, because wherever she goes, wherever her daughter goes, it's going to follow. Um, She was going to have to confront it. Do you think when she makes that decision, is she willing to die uh, or do whatever it takes to protect her daughter? Um. Yeah, I mean, the, the end's really interesting and it's a bit hard to do without spoiling too much, but I like films and Beth as well that have, let's just say, more complicated endings. Yeah. You know, when a character really has to go to a place that the audience might not, doesn't want them to go and that character might not have to. Um, yeah, the question for her character is she tries a lot of things and then realises that those aren't going to work. Um so, I mean, you could speculate as to how far she would go to solve that problem. And it, she goes a long way, let's just say that much. You're right. We don't want to spoil it, but I totally understand what you mean. As I was watching the film and the ending, it was more realistic, the approach that you decided to go with. Uh, for a lot of entertainment, movie fans, television it's an ending that never really crosses their path. There's only two options for the viewer, either good Mm. wins or evil wins. There's Mm, no other choice, but you gave us sort of another choice. uh, One that I did not see coming. Um, When I was watching it, one of the words that came to my mind were, uh, this might cause controversy, but it's not the right word. It's not going to cause controversy. It's going to make people think, um, did you guys play around with a lot of different alternate endings? Yeah, we did. We actually, the, that ending we went with, I think, was the fifth one that we came up with. Mm. Um, and it's something I'm looking forward down the track once the film's been out longer and um, has been seen more widely that we can actually get into a lot more of the specifics of that. Um, but I think, yeah, the, the end will and has... Um, you know, kind of mess with people's heads. Yeah. You yeah. know, some people, it's hit them really hard. Um, and from my point of view, you know, I, Seven is one of my favourite films. Um, you know, Exorcist, which influenced this. I mean, Exorcist is a brutal ending. It's kind of like, is it an up-ending or not? You know, he's... he's um, he jumps you know, out the becomes, window to save... Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's also the inference that if, you know, from, uh, I believe, 
and I might be wrong, but I believe, you know, from a, a Catholic perspective, if you if you commit suicide, then you're damned to hell. To yeah. Yeah. So there's the inference and, you know, there's the, the possibility at the end that with the other, I can't remember his priest friend's name, that he sort of does a, a silent confession by squeezing his hand. The question is, is that going to be enough or has he, you know, um, consigned himself to, to hell. And so I like those conflicted endings and they don't work for everyone. Uh, I know there's certain audience members that want, um, always want everything to work out very well with the characters. And I liked playing around with that darker area. But I got to give you credit because you took it even a little beyond Seven, which had a phenomenal ending. And you just mm. mentioned The Exorcist as well. You really, I mean, you know, from a lifelong movie fan, you're like, I'm like, I was like, wow, you know, I did not see that coming. Um, now, sort of going a little bit before we wrap up, you've spoken about uh, getting funding for independent films, um, how it's, you've mentioned it just takes longer. Uh, yeah. I mean, what do you think the state of independent films are? Now, I know in the United States, when I speak to people outside of the U.S., uh, there's government funding in a lot of countries outside the U.S. And when I tell them in the United States, that does not exist. There is no government funding for films. Uh, what's your your feelings on financing and in independent films? Um, I mean, it's... I was going to say it's one of the toughest parts, but there's lots of hard parts. I mean, writing a good screenplay is really difficult and then funding it is difficult and then making it. Um, yeah. The film is really difficult. Um, so I think, you know, each, each country industry, there's there's those pros and cons. You know, America, there's, there's not the government funding as such, but there's a lot bigger audience, a lot bigger market and a lot more money floating around. Yeah. Um, and with... But it's also ultra competitive, and so with the funding bodies in Australia, for example, it, it's it, the same in terms of the studio system. In terms, of, there's a lot of people wanting to make stuff, and only a small percentage exactly. getting access to that. Um, and why we wanted to stay fiercely independent with surrogate is that was more about the speed of making it happen. So the one thing is with with government funding bodies is everything moves very slowly, yeah. um, and we. And at any point, like with any film, we can still trip up. Like Beth and I have both had other films in development um, and through those funding bodies that haven't haven't come to fruition. And so, yeah, the downside of that is it, it just takes a lot longer for that to happen. Um, yeah. And But raising independent finance is also really difficult because it's, you know, they all come with different problems. It's very often oh, yeah. that finance falls through. We're very lucky that um, Comfer and Vesta was extremely supportive of the production, both, you know, creative and, and practically. Uh, but I've, you know, I've had other friends where halfway through a shoot, the investors just pulled their money. Wow. Um, wow, which is a tremendous, yeah, which is, I mean, is horrendous, but that happens a lot with private finance. So, it um, does, it does. Uh, yeah. Just one final question. You mentioned earlier that you were sitting in the theater watching this film. Did Surrogate get a limited theater release in Australia? Yes, yeah, we run at a few cinemas in uh, predominantly in my my city, Melbourne, Australia, um, and it was just a very strategic regional release because we didn't want, um, it, you know, it's really tough for indie films to find bigger audiences. Yeah. Uh, so we just focused and did event event screenings, and we had a run at a cinema where each 
each time some cast and crew would be there and we'd have things like Q and A's and, and meet and greets. And um, yeah, it did really well for local cinema that here, they were actually saying it outsold uh, the Batman at the same time for them, which was really, um, which is, you know, one of our main kind of marketing pieces. That yeah. one part, someone actually at the premiere at the cinema, which, um, which was a kind of a great compliment to the horror aspects. Absolutely. Um, that is great. Uh, David, uh, uh, I mean, I got to thank you again for coming on here and I really got to tell our audience, check out this movie. You're not going to be disappointed. It's available on Amazon prime video. It's available on Google play, which includes YouTube as well. You will not be disappointed. It's a great story, great acting, Great cinematography the whole way through. It's a great film. Again, congratulations, David. Do you have any final thoughts you want to share before we go? Um, yeah, I was going to say thanks for your kind words on the film. And that if your audience look on the other places they'll be able to view it down the track is surrogatefilm.com. Mm-hmm. We'll have information on other platforms and it's going to become available over over the coming months. So, nice. and, and the other bit is at the cinema screenings, Quite a few people came back to watch it again because, as you know, there's lots of intricacies you might not realise first viewing um, that become relevant second time. So, so that would be my other thing is watch it twice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that holds true for Surrogate. It holds true for a lot of movies. Uh, I want to thank our guest again, writer, director, David Willing. The film is called Surrogate. I want to thank our audience, those of you who have tuned in live and those of you who will be watching uh, later on. On behalf of David and myself, we wish you all to be safe and stay walking. Good night, everyone. Thank you very much. 